0: what's good people hope everybody is well um it's good to see everybody in here as we getting started right? trying to get things together so i hope uh, all of you are doing well if you don't know um this is dr t Hassan johnson you're at the onyx report you know every wednesday where we try to do our thing and broadcasting now daily on youtube um so you can come to the onyx report channel and check that out, see what we do. But uh, the Onyx Report is where we as black male justice advocates uh, uplift black and bo- black men and boys using critical analysis. Right. So that's kind of what we are doing. And the way I like to start things is to uh, first shout out my subscribers so we can make sure that they are honored straight up. And if you're interested in subscribing, you can do so very easily. I'll explain uh, in a moment. Uh, nevertheless. Um, Let me go ahead and honor them now. Uh, Let's see. let me see. I need to make sure you guys can hear this. I know I only have a few people here so far. We're at 40. Uh, I see some people in the building uh, online coming in from YouTube and Facebook. What's up, Jay? What's up, Barry? Malaika, what's going on? Michael, um, I know myself. Do me a favor. Let me know if you guys can hear any music with this. All right. Thank you. Just trying to make sure my sound is working. Uh, Y'all know I have trouble with sound every week. (laughs) There's always something. Uh, But anyway, welcome to the show. We got a new format that we're trying out. uh, That'll be a little less time. Uh, So basically what I'm going to be doing is the black masculinist news feed, uh, which I used to call current events. I'm shifting that to an everyday platform where you'll get short videos on my YouTube channel every day. And uh, the main show on Wednesdays, uh, we'll just have some, uh, the Sacred Black Masculine, maybe a few shout outs, and then we'll go straight to the main topic. So we're gonna uh, reduce uh, the time back to where it used to be and kind of cut it from there. But before I get into any of that, um, you know, like I said, I wanted to shout out my subscribers. If you're interested in subscribing, uh, very easy to do. uh, You can go ahead and uh, let me see here. You know, go to YouTube or you can go to Patreon. You could subscribe. You can become a member. If you're on YouTube, you can go right next to the subscribe button and click join uh, to join, become a member of the channel. Uh, So make sure you subscribe, hit the bell and click join. And there are different levels of membership from starting at gold, going all the way up to opal, black opal. And there are, uh, of course, perks that go with each of those. So peruse that and see what you're interested in. And hopefully you'll join and go from there. Um, But also, you know, we have a a variety of opportunities here in terms of how you can support. Right. So you can see in terms of, um, you know, kind of how I have things set up, you know, Patreon, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo are all ways you can support the channel uh, as well as going to the Institute for Black Male Studies. Uh, You can purchase merchandise. You can just uh, patronize the site. You can watch free videos or you can go ahead and take a class. We have the intro the Blackmail studies course that is up right now you can join the class and it starts when you start um and goes from there so you know feel free to join um uh i see my father in here how you doing uh damon uh it's me uh eric brian um you see my sound may have a touch of COVID, I'm like <laughs> baby well yo yeah, i'm in good spirits people y'all don't know i um you know, you guys have known I've been carrying, I've been walking on a cane for some years now, and I've been in a lot of pain. And basically what happened, I think I may have explained this once, but I tore the cartilage uh, in one side of my hip. And it's just been, you know, just kind of, you know, falling apart from there. And it's like, it's been excruciating. And uh, today, actually, I was supposed to have surgery on it. But after five years, my doctor finally put me uh, or gave me a medication that manages the pain better than anything else I've had. I don't get euphoria. I don't get high. None of that. It just, you know, it just takes the pain away. And that, and so today, well, I'd say probably about four or five days ago was the first day I woke up with no pain in five years. Uh, And I'm actually walking around and everything. So like this, I'm, I am lit. I am high on not being in pain. And anybody that's dealt with chronic pain can tell you, it, it takes up so much of your energy. It takes up so much of your thought and you, you navigate around it in all kinds of ways. You move differently, you walk differently, anything to avoid the pain. You know what I mean? And once that pain is taken away, it's almost kind of jarring, like, yo, it, you know, something's different, you know? Um, and so I'm feeling so much better. And actually it's so good. My doctor was like, yo, we don't actually need to do the surgery. What they were going to do is actually burn the nerves in my hip because they couldn't manage the pain. I was taking like 1600 milligrams of, of uh, ibuprofen a day. And that was just one taking, you know, but uh, now I'm at a point where he was like, okay, so let's postpone that. And if there's any, if there's a day when this medication, you know, no longer helps like that, then we'll go back to that. So, yo, I am feeling really good. Um, And there's a number of you on Facebook, most particularly that were extremely supportive when I mentioned that I was going to have surgery. I want to thank you for that. Um, but it was like a a day or two after that, you know, you know, the news hit that I didn't even have to have a surgery because of this. And I'm just like, man, I am, Ooh, man, I'm feeling so good. You know, it's ridiculous. So, uh, appreciate the support. I really, I really do I want to thank all of y'all for that, uh, who've been supportive most particularly. Um, so, you know, um, I'm able to get back to work and I've been in full swing. I'm still going to bed at sunrise, working all night and we're trying to trying to get it going to where uh, I can produce something that I hope uh, helps, you know, helps you in your analysis, helps you kind of en- engage some of the things that are happening and gives you ammunition to really uh, push an agenda that centers black men in a way, you know, where we can humanize black men, support black men and do so from a position of uh, intelligence from a position of uh, being informed and using data to lead us in terms of how we frame things. So hopefully um, we can get better, back to that uh, and do so well. What's up, high scholar? Good to see you in here. I know myself. See a few of y'all here. We got a hundred uh, or so in the building. So y'all make sure that uh, you support in one way or another. All right. So. All is well there, and we can go ahead and get started, if you will. So let's see. So y'all know what it is. We got the uh, Sacred Black Masculine Series, and this is something we do every week to honor uh, the humanity of Black men, which has never gone anywhere. (laughs) Thanks, Pop. (laughs) You became a member. Um, But, you know, uh, we honor Black men over here. Unabashedly, we celebrate black men's successes and we honor black male humanity, uh, especially if the world doesn't. So, that being said, you know, uh, we want to start out with acknowledging um, something I think some of you guys have seen in the news, right? You can find this, I mean, you can find it in a number of places. This particular article I'm looking at actually came from comicbook.com. Uh, Chadwick Bozeman wins best actor at 2021 Golden Globes for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So shout out to him for that. You know what I'm saying? He did a beautiful job. We reviewed Ma Rainey's uh, Black Bottom on this show. You can look through the uh, channel and find that if you're interested. But uh, shout out to uh, you know Chadwick for that. 78th Golden Globe Awards are currently in full swing. And the award for best performance by an actor in a motion picture drama was just announced. The category included Tahar Rahim, uh, Riz Ahmed, Anthony Hopkins, Gary Oldman uh, and Chadwick Bozeman, and they gave it to chadwick uh so you know shout out to him for that you know what I mean um you know and like I said he 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 played a he his performance was was dead on it was cold so I hope you guys get a chance to check it if you haven't and support uh, uh Bozeman's last work right um to those who may not know this just this just hit a little while ago um legendary reggae artist uh bunny white whaler um last living founder of bob marley and the whalers dies at 73 right um he died on tuesday the three-time grammy uh, award winner died at the andrews memorial hospital in the jamaican parish of saint andrew his manager maxine stowe told associated press his cause of death was not immediately clear local newspapers had reported he was in and out of the hospital after a stroke nearly a year ago. So shout out to Bunny Whaler. um, Peace to him. If you're not familiar, look him up and do so on YouTube so you can uh, check out his music. Um, But shout out to the last living member of the Whalers uh, to pass. Right. And there's a lot of these reports coming out where they don't know the cause of death. It's really bothering me. Um, So, you know, if anybody has any information, uh, please make sure you share it. Um yeah, this is the the last sacred uh black masculine for today is really it's not a conventional one. There's nobody I can really point to. Um, but it's really more of a moment. Um that uh I mean, I know there's a hashtag that came out a little while ago, a few years ago, I think, called uh hashtag BlackboyJoy. I don't think it really ever took off, really, but at the end of the day, it is the best way I could think of to acknowledge this particular video. So you check it out and tell me what you think.
1: Oh, there we go. What the fuck? What the
0: I mean, pure joy. You know? So I saw that and I said, you know what? I just need to take a moment to celebrate black boys doing their thing. It's really not any, not any deeper than that. Just the actual joy of living. And how many times do you actually get to see black boys actually just enjoy being alive? Most of the time online, when we hear black boys, it's always some trouble. Uh, It's always something going on. Somebody's died. Somebody's been abused. Somebody's been shot. But when I saw that video clip of them just having unadulterated joy, and what they were doing. I said, you know what? That, that needs to be acknowledged. We need to remember that. So, you know, straight up these boys riding their bikes, just having fun. Um, and they were doing wheelies I'd never even heard of when I was that age. So (laughs) I just wanted to shout that out, you know, straight up, you know, appreciation of black boys, uh, and an acknowledgement of, uh, black boy joy for real. Okay. So uh, that being said, we're going to move forward a little bit. we got a few special shout outs today. Uh, nothing too deep, actually just really, uh, a number of birthdays really. Um, so I'm not going to take too long on this. Y'all know, and one, Mr. Clifford Smith Jr. Born March 2nd, uh, about three years before me, this is Method Man who apparently turned 50, uh, yesterday. So shout out to him, Method Man. For those who don't know, American rapper, songwriter, record producer, actor, Uh, known as a member of the Wu-Tang Clan, Uh, one half of the duo Method Man and Red Man, um, took his stage name from 1979 film Method Man in 96. He won a Grammy uh, for best uh, rap performance. Appreciate that support, Xavier Group, Brothers Group. Thank you. Um, So, you know, shout out to, uh, to Method Man. Happy birthday. Hip hop, you know, artists are turning 50. Uh, that is a thing I never thought about when I was younger, <laughs> but, you know, brothers are doing their thing. So shout out to him. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have one of my favorite actors, one of my absolute favorite actors who on February 26th turned 78 years old. Shout out to William, William Henry Duke Jr. Uh, also known as Bill Duke. Uh, Born February 26, 1943, actor, film director, producer and screenwriter known for his physically imposing frame. Duke works primarily in the action and crime genre drama genres, but occasionally appears in comedy. Uh, So, you know, again, one of my favorites, I pretty much loved him in everything I've seen him in uh, from Predator to uh, you name it from Car Wash. I remember growing up watching him in that and he played an intense role you know, but we've seen him in all kinds of things, Minister, to minister society. Everybody knows the role he played in that. But when I saw him, I had to just, you know, I had to give him props. So, um, uh, you know, shout out to him. Happy birthday to Mr. Bill Duke. Right. He's right up there with me, uh, with, uh, a number of others like Charles Dutton, you know, I'm a huge, uh, Bill Duke fan, huge Charles Dutton fan. So yeah. Um, uh, shout out to him and, Next up, and I believe the last shout-out for the day, shout-out to Harry Belafonte, who turned 94 on March 1st, born 1927. Right? Jamaican-American singer, songwriter, activist, and actor, one of the most successful Jamaican-American pop stars in history. He was dubbed the King of Calypso for popularizing the Trinidadian-Caribbean musical style uh, in the 1950s, and has been an ardent activist in the civil rights movement and beyond and the brother's still alive, you know, 94. So shout out to him. You can find a piece on him on motherjones.com. Uh, so, uh, blessed solar return to all three. All right. So I just wanted to shout a few brothers out real quick, just to kind of really kind of acknowledge brothers who are living past the point I thought, um, I thought about when I was that age, I really, or when I should say, when I was younger, living past twenty-one just never really crossed my mind. In certain respects, I didn't plan to. I didn't really think I would. Um, and, you know, so when I see brothers that have reached elder status, uh, there's something about that that fills me with a degree of pride, you know, and and hope, and inspires me because uh, black men are dying so young, and y'all, y'all will see in one of the um, daily black masculinist news feed videos. Uh, there's a piece I do about brothers who are dying young. And of course, in the last year there's been an absolute lot of that. And some of it has been attributed to COVID, but a lot of it hasn't. Strangely enough, there are a lot of young brothers dying um that and it isn't being attributed to COVID. You know what I mean? If anything, they keep saying, you know, no cause of death announced or, you know, whatnot. Young men from twenty-two to forty-nine, they're just finding dead in their houses, right? Nobody saying anything about foul play, no, no COVID, just Dying, you know what I mean. So, that being said, you know, um, look at it. You know, pay attention to it. Uh, let's figure out what's going on with it, but definitely acknowledge uh, what's happening. All right. All right. So this one, uh, this is the only public service announcement for the day. It's a short article. Uh, I'm not going to read too much of it, but you can find this one on CNN.com. It's entitled Federal Judge Rules Eviction Moratorium is Unconstitutional. And this particular image is an image of a woman being uh, basically removed on the spot from her apartment in uh, in Texas. So the article itself, they have video clips of, you know, where they go along with police officers to different places and and escort people out of where they're living. Right. And this uh, this is looking bad. This is looking pretty bad. Right. So it reads a federal judge in Texas on Thursday ruled that the federal moratorium on evictions is unconstitutional, according to court documents. US, U.S. District Judge John Barker, who was appointed by then President Donald Trump to the court in Eastern District of Texas, stopped short of issuing a preliminary injunction, but said he expected the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to respect his ruling and withdraw the moratorium. The federal government cannot say that it has ever invoked its power over interstate commerce to impose a residential eviction moratorium. It did not do so during the deadly Spanish flu pandemic, nor did it invoke such a power during the uh, exigencies of the Great Depression. The federal government has not claimed such a power at any point during our nation's history until last year, Barker wrote. Although COVID-19, although the COVID-19 pandemic persists, persists, he said, so does the Constitution. So that said, uh, you know, it's going around that it might be up to 10% of families, right? That will be um, out on the street. And I believe that's about 15 million. So, you know, this is this is getting real, right? This is definitely getting real. Uh, so I definitely hope for the best for you and yours and for those that uh, are in need. If you are in a position to offer help in any kind of way, you know, do so. Because it is it is definitely about to get rough in here, people. And it's already been rough, Uh, especially for black folk. It's been rough long before there was necessarily a pandemic, but it is nonetheless uh, getting up there. So. Definitely make sure that uh, you are as safe as possible, protect yourself, protect your family, be careful, um, because it is getting deep out here, people. It is absolutely getting deep. All right. Uh, Let me see here like I said, we're going to, we're going to be cutting the time a little bit. So, uh, that said, I wanted you guys to definitely, uh, make sure that you support the Institute for Black Male Studies. Uh, you can go to www.instituteforblackmalestudies.com and purchase merchandise. Like I said, take courses, engage it. Um, you know, please help to sustain it and make sure it persists because at the end of the day, there's no guarantee, you know, how long any of us are here to do anything, but the Institute is there to really promote Black male studies, to familiarize you with the concepts and the theories, uh, and as well as the authors and the, the, the thinkers that are involved in this. So there have been a number of participants already uh, that you need to check out that are supporting the Institute and teaching courses in it. So join in, check it out. I think you'll enjoy it, but you'll also have some information to take with you, uh, and move to another level. So that being said, make sure that, uh, you support that. All right. So let's get to it. Let's get to it. Um, the new format I'm using, we're going to be about, I'm taking it back to where I, I started the show It's about an hour and 15, maybe an hour and a half tops. Um, it all kind of depends on how much I have to say in a particular way. But at this point, some of this stuff uh, that's coming up, there's so much of it that needs to be addressed. It's time, you know, it's time to to really take it up to another level. So uh, let's do so. So here uh, you can find this piece uh, that kicked all of this off, at least for me, written by an undergraduate student at www.hercampus.com, right? And this is a piece entitled, Dr. Uh, uh, Why Does Vanderbilt Continue to Fail Black Women? And it addresses Dr. Michael Eric Dyson uh, and what I call the modern day warlock hunt, right? And as you can see, uh, I found a a beautiful picture of him and Kobe, and I'll explain uh, why I included him in a moment. But of course, on the surface of it, you know, right, Kobe himself has been a longtime victim of a warlock hunt and continues to be so after his demise right? Where not long after his demise, uh, people were uh, coming at him in public, you know, really to slam him, um, even in his death. And it's absolutely ridiculous, but it is nonetheless what people are doing.
2: You know, him. All right, there we go.
0: Yeah. So this particular piece reads, um, hearing about Michael Eric Dyson's hiring at Vanderbilt, despite his past allegations Of sexual misconduct is very disappointing given the events of this summer. When Black women came forward this summer with their experiences of sexual assault, it felt like a moment of solidarity and the potential to push forward to create a safer campus for Black women. This hiring uh, feels like one of many setbacks that we Black women have to fight against to feel comfortable on campus. I hope that Vanderbilt will start to make better decisions to protect their Black female students. And then and that comes from the um, I guess it's just titled member of the Vanderbilt black women community. And it it continues this summer, multiple black Vanderbilt women came forward and shared their stories of being sexually assaulted and raped by Vanderbilt uh, Vanderbilt football players. Calls were made to fire Derek Mason, the former head coach of Vanderbilt football, for failing to hold his players accountable for their heinous actions. A petition was created by myself and three other women demanding change from both athletics and the university. This petition gained over 800 signatures, hours of work, thousands of tears, endless frustration, anger, and pain were seen as we battled for justice. Justice not just for ourselves, but for others who experience pain like ours, pain worse than ours. Finally, at the end of the season, um, Athletic Director Candace Lee fired Derek Mason and the whole coaching staff. Positive change seemed to be in sight. However, the progress Vanderbilt students had accomplished was erased when the university decided to hire Michael Eric Dyson, On September 28th to 2020, he was accused of multiple black, um, accused by multiple black um, femmes at Georgia, uh, Georgetown University of sexual misconduct. Vanderbilt University, in ending one problem, was willingly choosing to bring in another threat to the safety of black women on campus. Now, um, I'm going to continue to read another portion. We know about is uh, sexual misconduct. What does that mean? What does that mean? Sexual misconduct. See, the thing, think about what I think we have going on right now in society, especially in regard to black men, is that, you know, as we've been saying, an accusation is synonymous with um, guilt, a guilty judgment, a guilty judgment. Yeah. And I and absolutely, Mike, Green Gorilla did cover this. You can check out the Green Gorilla channel. Um, uh, check out his approach to this. Absolutely. Uh I was in the same listserv where he and I both got this particular article. And I definitely wanted to make sure we drew some attention to it. Right. So this is definitely important. And I think it's important that we, you know, really reflect on these things because as black men, all of us are um vulnerable to this absolutely vulnerable to this right um and that, that goes for men in general at this point appreciate the support barry thank you very much right um uh, let me see barry writes up here, so though i'm not a fan of michael eric dyson's uh political stances we should recognize that these types of attacks against high-profile black men is an attack by proxy against us all Now, I want to be clear. I'm not trying to exonerate black men that rape or violate uh, anybody, male, female, young, old. It's not about exonerating. It's not about assuming innocence. What it's about is acknowledging that in the current climate that we're in, right, that an accusation is enough to quell a career, especially for black men. Right. And especially for professors at that matter. I mean, there are only about somewhere around 5000 black tenured male professors in the entire country. About 5000, roughly speaking, somewhere between four and six. So I'm just saying five. That's it. Right. And when you're at a when you're in a situation where an arbitrary accusation is enough to end your career. That places a lot of power in the hands of a lot of random people. It really does. Especially when in the court of public opinion, evidence isn't required. Isn't required. Appreciate that, Brian. On one end, if you, you know, take your case to court and you win, people will assume that you're in a position of power. You just had an, a, a, an attorney you can afford and you wiped it away. On the other end, you know, if you lose your job and, and all of that, you lose your career, all of it, Nobody cares. I mean, it's, it's almost a, a no-win situation for most men to be arbitrarily accused. And when you have terms like sexual misconduct, what exactly does that mean? I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, my only point here is that it's a vacuous term. It can mean a lot of different things. It can mean he flirted, right, with an, uh, with an administrator. It can mean he flirted with a even a student. But then the question becomes, okay, you know, um, how different are college campuses from high school campuses? If somebody is a, a legal-aged adult, I mean, professors and students have been dating on university campuses for generations, right? It, it, it happens. Not something I do, but why don't I do it? And why, aren't, why, don't, why, are, why is there a cadre of Black male professors that I know that refuse to do it? It isn't because there's any moral problem necessarily with dating someone over 18, especially if it's somebody that's never sat in your class. It's not about that. It's just about the optics. It's just about the degree to which black men can more easily be villainized for something that, you know, even everybody else is doing without a problem. So I just avoid it like the plague. But you, you tend to find that once you start on that track, you never get off it. Because you understand that your uh, your your capacity as a black male to be blamed for something that people will readily receive and even hype up simply because you are a black male and don't be over six feet tall. Trust me, it makes it worse. You get over six feet, 250 plus pounds, it becomes that much easier for people to assume your guilt and not even know what the accusation is. And that's the part I had problems with in reading this piece. Nobody in here actually said what he did. So I'm not here to exonerate him because I don't even know what the hell he's being accused of. My simple point. uh, Appreciate that support, uh, officer. Good to see you in here. Um, My simple point is that that's the problem. The fact that we don't know what he's done and how easily that makes it for people to slam him. Right. For people to blame him. Right. It's that easy. So continuing, um, let's see, On February 28th, Black Survivor, the Black Survivors Coalition at Georgetown University and other Georgetown University students gathered for the final day of its sit in protest. They warned Georgetown's president, um, John DeGoya, I might have ruined his name, and administrators that Michael Eric Dyson was a professor who subjected students to act of, acts of sexual misconduct. This exchange between students of the Black Survivors Coalition and the administration was all caught on video. Michael Eric Dyson, now a former professor at Georgetown University, went through a full Title IX investigation. During the process, students who were directly affected by Dyson's actions and those who demanded accountability were constantly left in the dark. On April 17th, members of the Black Survivors Coalition met with Georgetown administration to demand updates. They were told, we have had a lot of progress on on the faculty member. Uh, who serves, um, you know, according to, I guess this is Rosemary Kilkenny, who serves as the head of diversity and inclusion. Uh, This response did not answer the questions asked. It did not calm the anxiety and and fear the students had. It did not say that Georgetown is protecting its students. It was an empty response. Hearing this as a Vanderbilt student, I felt their pain, took me back to the pain from this summer. The anger was awakened, the frustration renewed. The sting of betrayal became a dull stab, as I came to terms that once again, Vanderbilt was failing to protect black women to protect me. (sighs) After all that, you got any more clarity about what exactly he did? I don't. Again, my issue is not necessarily what he did. I'm not saying he's innocent of anything. I'm just remarking at how powerful the accusation alone tends to be for Black men, how susceptible, how vulnerable we are to just that. And the degree to which nobody really cares, right? Because the assumption people make at the very, just the slightest mention of impropriety is the worst. I mean, listen to the statement made that I read about earlier. Dyson, a professor who subjected students to acts of sexual misconduct, right? Subjected And of course, it sounds horrendous already. Sounds like a problem, you know, and you can imagine where people take their imagination regarding this. And this is actually something that I am glad to say uh, that someone else called some attention to that I didn't expect to hear do that. And on the left, if you're not familiar, that is Vanessa Brown, Um, Bryant, excuse me, Vanessa Bryant. And that is Kobe Bryant's uh, widow, right? This is an article that uh, you can find on TMZ entitled Vanessa Bryant Slams Evan Rachel Wood for Calling Kobe Rapist Upon Death, right? Uh, and so basically what she's doing here is she's calling out, right, people in Hollywood who have slandered her husband's name, even in death, one of whom being Rachel uh, Evan Rachel Wood also, well, welcome to the Onyx Brotherhood. Good to have you back in the classroom. Appreciate the support. Thank you. Um, Officer Faulkner says no investigation, no formal application or written statements, no video, verbal records. Absolutely, my point. Absolutely, my point. Especially when you have these kind of um, issues resolved on campuses, they often don't involve law enforcement. They also they also don't tend to involve evidence. They're they're not you know, it's kind of at the whim of the campus. And this is a dangerous climate. This has been going on for a while. And it's one that's made men and males in general vulnerable in ways we don't talk about. Like one of the issues we have, and you've seen this in a couple of different cases where, you know, you'll have uh, two people, young, of course, in in undergrad, uh, both of whom were drunk, both of whom end up having sex. And then an accusation, you know, being lobbied usually toward the male student that he has violated this other student because she was under the influence. And that seems to be the predominant direction that the analysis and critique will go, especially in mainstream culture. But they're both drunk. They're both under the influence. And they're both young. And there have been some of these young males who have been actually suing universities in response to being arbitrarily dismissed from the campus for conditions that both people are engaged in. Appreciate the support, Marvin. Thank you. Right. But going back to Vanessa Bryant, she actually starts to call out uh, particular uh, figures in Hollywood. Right. Uh, She calls out Evan Rachel Wood Uh, in this particular article. She didn't call out Gail King. Most of us are familiar with Oprah's friend uh, who slammed Kobe and disrespected him. Really, not long after he died in an interview where um, she asked about, you know, uh, a particular woman's relationship with Kobe, uh, not in any kind of intimate way, but she, you know, of course, brought up these allegations. It, it was just, it was really ridiculous. And everything blew up. Snoop Dogg came out for a moment, said something, and then got shouted down. It it, it was a mess. We talked about it last year when it occurred. But nevertheless, Vanessa Bryan is out here arguing uh, to protect the legacy of her husband, right? And she says something I found particularly interesting. She said, your false, insensitive, defamatory, and slanderous tweet On January 26th is vile and disturbing to say the least. Behavior like this is part of the reason why innocent Black men go to jail for crimes they didn't commit. An accusation doesn't make someone guilty. Now, I found this interesting because you have Vanessa Bryant who is acknowledging the way these issues hit Black men in a way that most people don't want to talk about, right? And so not only in protecting her husband, Kobe, She's actually going out her way in that mention to protect black men. And I found that interesting because despite, you know, how many people know or at least aware of the relationship that uh, law enforcement and especially false allegations or, uh, or accusations have and with black men, we seem to dismiss it as soon as we have a black male in question. Whether it's Cosby, whether it's R. Kelly, whether it's whomever. And those particular men become representative of Black men as a whole, right? regardless of whether or not they've won or been proven innocent in a court of law. I mean, we recently, well, not recently, we saw this happen a couple of years ago with Nate Parker. It almost ended his career, took several years before we even saw him again. Uh, Recently, he came back out with American skin. And as he did, all the controversy kind of popped up with it again when he came out. And he had to apologize yet again. Now, he apologized for something that happened to him in undergrad. He wasn't a celebrity. He was found innocent in a court of law in Philadelphia with a jury that was nearly all white. You know what it takes to exonerate a young black male unknown by an all white jury? And yet he was still being held in the court of public opinion, not held to whether or not he may have done something, but assumed to be guilty. They were putting up posters calling him a rapist. And there are people that will argue you to the ground even now that there's no question that each of these men are inherently guilty just because Michael Jackson. I mean, you name it, especially for black men. The list is long white men who got accused during the me too era. You know, most of them, you know, you had a number of them that lost their careers that kind of disappeared But black men were the only ones that really went to jail. Nevertheless, you know, Vanessa Bryant continues and she identifies uh, Abigail Disney. Um, And I think this tweet is what she's responding to. Right. Abigail Disney says, I haven't said anything about Kobe so far because I felt some time needed to pass before weighing in. But yes, it's time the sledgehammer for for that to come out. The man was a rapist. Deal with it. Right. Man was a rapist. That's all we get. Right. So basically, Vanessa says, you don't know the facts of the case, which I find to be the case much of the time. And it takes me right back to Michael Eric Dyson because we don't know the facts of the case. All we heard was two words, sexual misconduct. And that was enough to shut down logical thought, shut down any investigative uh, interest, shut down reason. You apply the term sexual with black male, and that is the end of the discussion for a lot of people. And so, you know, it's interesting to me to look at this kind of thing and just wonder how often does this have to keep happening before we can actually have black males treated like human beings? And while at the same time we're pushing for that, y'all know every week for the most part, I'm posting videos on men and boys who are being assaulted, you know, in terms of physical assault, in terms of sexual assault by women and girls all day. And there's no national call for anything. Nobody gets canceled, even when it is a celebrity. Even the celebrities involved with Me Too were caught. I think it was Rose McGowan not long ago. That just kind of got swept under the rug and disappeared. Nobody really cared, right? It's a one-way aggression, so one way aggression that identifies men as the primary victims and the primary aggressors, or I should say they don't identify as victims, but they're victims of this accusational framework. This accusatory framework where men themselves are void of uh, empathy or compassion once the accusation is made. And, and what exactly can people do about it once accused? What do you do when people assume your guilt at birth? Right. With Dyson. I'm not sure what he's going to do. The implication is that he left Georgetown, um, you know, before anything could come out and went to Vanderbilt. And now it's starting up again at, at Vanderbilt. And so my question is, you know, to what extent does the, the is there an actual investigation that goes on that is not conducted at the whim of students necessarily? But by those who are actually experienced at investigating, you know, criminal occurrences, when does that happen and what kind of evidence is brought to bear? That's the question I'm asking, and I'm asking that as a victim of sexual assault. I've talked about this on my show before, before I was the age of four, I'd experienced that before I was at the age of 10, I'd experienced it twice, once by a white male, once by a black woman. I'm not out here advocating for rapists just because they're male? No. What I'm saying though is I've also had the other side of the experience where just being a larger African American male on a campus was enough in the minds of many people to assume the worst about me. Simply based on the fact that somebody didn't like me. I once taught a class where when I when I got to the portion of the class when we covered gender, I taught the history of feminism Black feminism, then I taught womanism, and then I didn't even go into masculinism, you know, the concept I created. Didn't even do that. All I did was I showed statistics on black men. That's all. Came into class. We'd covered all these different areas of gender as they pertain to women and LGBTs. And when I got to black men, I didn't say a word. I put up the statistics on their homelessness rates, I put up unemployment rates, I put up incarceration rates. Just put them on the screen. I put up data as far as circumcision, right? And the degree to which boys were dying. From there, I had half of a class try to get me fired. And one student went so far as to accuse me of advocating for rapists, simply based on the data I just told you I presented. Now you tell me how that math works. And from there, was a mess. So I got to discover right in that moment or rediscover, as you would say, how easily my reputation can be tarnished. And that was the reason I didn't say a word. And I just put that on the screen because I understood how precarious this is for black males. But in advocating for men, that was enough to infuriate people and take that fury and turn it into something predatory, rooted in accusation an accusation that they were quite comfortable and used to not having to verify, not having to verify at all. And this is not at Fresno state. This is not that this was, this was a long time ago, but the point was the accusation was enough to have my career in question. And I had to go before the the provost and have a conversation and actually start to resort to legal means to addressing it. Why? Why? simply because people didn't like what I was saying. And all I was saying was actually nothing. I was just showing data that basically positioned black men, or it didn't position them, it showed the position they're in, in and the number of different categories. That's all it did. And that was enough to infuriate people because they hadn't gotten it in any other course because it is, as far as you know, college campuses are concerned, advocating for black men is tantamount to advocating for rapists advocating for for sexual assault, uh, aggressors, so on and so forth. It's become so synonymous on a subconscious level that that's how it's received. That's absolutely how it's received. Even if you've not done anything along those lines. And so when I look at somebody like Dyson, where two words, sexual misconduct has come into play, my first question isn't, I wonder what he did. We need to get rid of them. My first question is well, what does that mean? And I don't mean the just the formal definition of sexual misconduct. I mean, we could do that, but you can do that yourself. You can pull that up on your phone. I'm not gonna go there tonight. My question isn't about the formal definition of it. My question is more uh, what does it mean in that situation? Right? Because I'm sure if it was rape, it would say rape, right? We we know that there are degrees of difference as far as the intensity. For some of these concepts. So I'm more than sure that if that was what he was accused of, right, that would be the term they would use. Right. But, you know, just for the sake of being straightforward, sexual misconduct, the formal definition is misconduct of a sexual nature that is of a lesser offense than felony sexual assault, particularly where the situation is normally non-sexual and therefore unusual for sexual behavior or where there is some aspect of personal power or authority that makes sexual behavior inappropriate. What does that mean? It can mean a wide range of things, but here's the problem. A lot of it comes back to what it meant to whomever levied the accusation. And once the accusation is made, it is a stain on your record as a man It doesn't go away. And the lack of evidence be damned doesn't matter in many circumstances. And this is a problem in our culture that men can be vilified with no evidence, with no word, and nobody cares. That's a problem. Now, the question for me, though, is whether or not the pandemic is going to actually make these situations worse. Right, we've heard it's been pretty quiet in the last year as far as Me Too accusations for the most part, right? Well, now we're moving into a situation where we're seeing families put out on the street. You know, we're seeing a massive loss in jobs, particularly with women, right? Loss of the security that people have gotten real comfortable with. So, what happens when you can make an accusation? You don't necessarily need to provide evidence and you can settle out of court. And you don't see these accusations with guys who are, you know, filling up shopping bags at the grocery store, sweeping up floors at the car wash. You see these accusations with the wealthiest and most powerful of men. Coincidence? You tell me.
1: All
0: right. So this is what we're looking at. Now, Dyson himself is aware of these dynamics, you know. He talked about it briefly. He alluded to it on several occasions. And this particular um, tweet came out on May 11, 2017. He was talking about, right. One particular player receiver, Josh Gordon, trying to reinstate and be reinstated in the NFL and Dyson's comments were, so those who sexually assault women and commit other mayhem can play in the NFL, but not a guy who takes responsibility for substance abuse. Right. So there's a bit of an acknowledgement, Right. Of, of sorts that these men exist. And he actually says something else on a number another occasion, because many of us know a lot of his work in the last few years, or I won't say a lot of his work, but he did some work uh, surrounding Bill Cosby. Right. And this was a big uh, controversy because in one sense he wrote a book on it as well. He challenged Cosby on his perceptions of, um, you know, race and class, poverty. Right. But he's had some interesting things to say or at least questions to ask very in a very veiled manner in regard to issues of sexual misconduct. So in one piece on the Hoya.com uh, it reads, but while demanding accountability for Cosby's actions, Dyson also noted a racially charged double standard in the Me Too movement. He says it's rather interesting, striking that the first major person to go down is a black person in an era when a lot of white guys have, have, have mis- misbehaved. Excuse me. He alluded to similar hypocrisy in his Beyonce lecture to Georgetown students this week, comparing the criminalization of black teenagers with another metaphorical 17-year-old on trial right now. Studies show that black youth are perceived as older, which has led to a persistent judicial bias in prosecuting them as adults, according to Dyson. And he asks, is Mr. Brett Kavanaugh held to the same degree of expectation and responsibility as Trayvon Martin? What is the difference? Why is it we criminalize one group of people and exonerate the other? So part of the part of the issue we're we're transitioning into now with the rise of black male studies, with the rise of black masculinism, with the rise of the manosphere is we got to we got to drop this veiled language. Right. Why do we criminalize one group of people? We are no longer just talking about black and white or men and women. We are we are in need of being more specific. And at the end of the day, it is black men that find themselves susceptible to accusation, because if nothing else I mean, we can talk about policy, we can talk about history, we can talk about lynchings and the legacy of criminalizing, sexually criminalizing Black men and seeing them as predatory um, fallacies, looking for ways to violate women across race, across class, across occupation, across context. Black men are just vicious rapists. And that narrative across the 20th century has sent many a black man to the the dirt, both innocent and maybe even guilty, but not necessarily guilty of what's accused, right? There's all kinds of situations. But the point is, many of those black men never got a fair trial, never had evidence investigated, never had their accuser questioned, especially in a court of law or hell, even in a police department. None of it. And because we come out of that legacy, we are that much more susceptible to it. And so that's what I see here. And Dyson is well aware of it. Dyson called it into question in a number of different avenues, even as it related to Cosby. Right. When you can have people come out uh, decades later to accuse you of things. There's something wrong with that dynamic in and of itself. But it ends, it, it ends up being a one sided dynamic that overwhelmingly problematizes men. Right. Right overwhelmingly problematizes men. So what I want to do just for a little bit is I want to actually bring a couple of you up to talk a little bit about your thoughts on this, get some feedback from you directly. Right? So let me see. What I will do, I will put the link. And this is going to be short. As I said, I promised I'm going to keep the show short uh, and I am not going to change that. So it might only be a couple of people uh, that I'll bring up, but I want your comments about what you think regarding these situations, what they mean, how they impact men and what questions we can ask about resolving how the system functions. Because as it stands right now, as I said, Accusation is synonymous with judgment, and very rarely are those judgments for black men in particular innocent All right so the so the link is in in the uh in the comment section on uh youtube let me see I don't think I have okay I think I can put it in Facebook as well. I haven't done that, so we'll try that out, okay. We got my boy, A.B. Media. Let me get him in
1: here. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on, Dr. T? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. All right. All right. Well, give us your thoughts
0: on this, man. What do you think?
1: Uh, part of me um, hopes... To, uh, I've never liked Michael Eric Dyson. Mm-hmm. I, I could smell the opportunist nature of him. Mm-hmm. very early and uh he got his uh ninja moment <laughs> i so feel like he got his ninja moment <laughs> now I don't know if the act- now don't get it twisted I don't know if the accusation are true or not but um uh that has to be decided in a court of court law properly of course
0: but see that's the that's the interesting question right there are actually repercussions that people are pushing for uh before it gets into any kind of space like a court of law. Of course. And again, and we don't know what that is. Now, this to me, this is not about, again, protecting or exonerating Dyson. It's not even right. about whether or not I like him or dislike him. I really am indifferent. I don't have any animus toward the brother and I don't I'm not a, a super fan. And, and you know, I'm, I'm somewhat indifferent. What I recognize is just how easily this can happen to any black male men in general but in this context we talk we you know we talk explicitly about black men and we know that this kind of thing can be levied at us you know
1: extreme out of
0: nowhere out of nowhere and that's what i'm trying to push for especially with brothers who you know don't like dyson necessarily i'm like be clear this isn't about dyson this is really about you yeah how much power should other people have over your life based on an accusation alone especially with no evidence,
1: right? Right.
0: Any thoughts about that?
1: I just something black men have to deal with every day. Right. Chick you don't even know can come out and accuse you of something like, okay, I don't even know you. Mm -hmm. Mm I don't know if I told you this. I was in the store and um, there was this chick in front of me for boys. And they're in a section that I wanted to look in. Yeah, you know, I'm just waiting for them to move so I can go look for what I need to look for. And all of a sudden I hear, you ain't there, Daddy. And I'm thinking to myself, I wouldn't even look at her like that or her or her boys. Mm. Like I just want I just want to get my food and leave. I'm not I don't go to the grocery store to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And
3: I'm thinking,
1: I'm like, it's not even I'm like, I'm not do I'm not here to do that. I'm here to shop for, for myself. Right, but had that so what, gone,
0: had that escalated to you know store security and the police? Right, what kind of what kind of uh, you know what what do you have to stand on to say I didn't do anything? Yeah, you know, do you think people would believe you?
1: Had it escalated, mostly a black store, that may believe me, but uh, even then, <laughs> even then, even then, even then, you got to worry about them not believing you. Right. Uh, I just walked point. away. I didn't. I just stay there. I was like, you know what? I'm like, nah. Like, nah. I'm not even going to entertain that. I walked away. Wait. You know, when she was gone, I went and got what I needed to get. Right.
0: And so basically, what you're saying is you're lucky it didn't escalate. Because it it sounds like it could have escalated from there. Sounds like it could have escalated. Um, yeah. Ab, I'm gonna bring up uh, bring up another call. Is there anything you wanted to say before we switch you out? No, I'm good. Okay, appreciate you coming up, man.
1: No problem. All
0: right. Uh, we're gonna bring up the good officer mm-hmm. as we speak. Officer Faulkner, what's up, man? What's up? How you doing?
2: Healing, styling, and profiling. Healing the ankle and the uh and the foot, but oh, making that's right. Progress. That's
0: right. Well, I hope you are progressing. Uh, Give us yeah, your thoughts on this, man. We need to hear from I hear you. from. You.
2: One, for a person who basically took oaths to defend the Constitution from enemies, foreign or domestic, I'm really getting damn tired of looking at travesties of justice.
1: Okay. I'm
2: getting tired of the court of public opinion outweighing the court of law. Okay. You're seeing these little, basically these modern Salem witch trials and hunts. Mhm. Just just an accusation. Not even think about it. They can't get rid of so a lot of you professors because of your tenure. But the quickest way to get rid of you is an accusation. Mm. And what happens is a lot of brothers tend to do what? Back down.
1: Mm.
2: Well, you need to fight this.
1: Mm.
2: Because they they betting on the they're betting on our to shameless into to cowardness. Okay. Not one not one statement, not one written or recorded or like anything. Mm. Just an accusation. Oh, he br- not even a he brushed against me. What happened? Right. right. Not one person started the who, the what, the where, and the why and the how. Okay. This this lack of investigation is so faulty that the only way that that it'll get rid of you is that you'll leave yourself because you just don't want to deal with the smoke. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I tell a lot of brothers, you know what, sometimes you got to deal with the smoke. Sometimes you got to deal with opposition. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you keep letting it go on, it's like a bully. And that's what these people really are if you think about it. They're bullies. Mm. They're gonna keep progressing and progressing until you stand up for yourself. Yeah, because if you know, like I know, when you're on these college campuses and universities, women run roughshod. They can have their little feminist, I am woman. We are, str- I am, sh- we are strong and all this, and we're roaring and all this stuff. But if a guy says, "Okay, you're my equal," why do I need to hold the door for you? Oh. He's not protecting us.
0: All right, let me. Let, but let me ask you this: As a police officer, have you seen the abuse of this accusatory cancel culture? Um, you know, unjustly impact a man. Have you seen that in your in your work?
2: <laughs> you got enough years in life.
1: <laughs> Come with it, man. What's up?
2: Uh, I'll, I'll give you a good. I'll give you a good. I'm not naming names, but I'll give you a good story. Okay, it was a female officer who was on a post only post somewhere in Baltimore City. Okay, meaning you're supposed to be relieved on post. You're supposed to call out for relief and someone relieves you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: A shooting takes place on this post where she's supposed to be. Turns out to be a homicide. Okay, all her backup, including the sergeant and lieutenant, working that day, can showed up nowhere. know where she was. Hmm. the major who's the district commander is furious and rightfully so guess what her punishment was hmm. she was not suspended she was not uh, she was not reprimanded Okay. was not turned into internal affairs hmm. she was just removed from the post Okay. She was still allowed to become a detective and then in a few months later get promoted to sergeant. Okay. So <clears throat> you'll even get guys who have arguments with their girlfriends and are both police officers.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Because one female's friends with the major at the time, who was also another black female, the other uh, the male officer gets suspended. Okay. For a domestic incident, no evidence of him hitting her. None of this. Just an argument, which is legal. Mm. He gets suspended, okay, and removed from his district.
0: Mm.
2: You, you want me to go further?
0: <laughs> so, so, so basically, even within, even among police,
2: <laughs> you
0: have this happening,
2: and it's so flagrant that they've caught female officers of high rank in sexual acts with higher ranking officials. They hide the female somewhere. Nothing happens to that high ranking official, except he's got to leave for two weeks. The person who caught him because they didn't say anything gets promoted to lieutenant in in a few years. No questions asked, and actually leaves the testing.
0: Okay, so we so we are gonna pretend like there that, that there's not gonna be an incentivizing that takes place when you can be promoted strictly for accusing somebody of something. Mm-hmm. If there's if there's a promotion and an improvement in position from an accusation, does that not ensue incentive at some point?
2: It's gonna get it's gonna incentivize people because the first thing they'll say. We have it so hard because we're women. Okay. And I had to ask, well, BGS knows what I'm talking about, but I say this: who she will, she who will not be named. How hard do you really have it? Mm. Because you're not doing the heavy lifting when it comes to the department. Okay. And then when you get promoted, are you still going to use the same how hard females have it? Because you'll also see within the supervi- the supervision how black males will ask for their advice of what do I need to prepare for. They will actually take the females off the street for two hours and basically guide them and school them and quiz them on what they need to know. But when okay. yours truly acts the same sergeants, they they act like they had like only 10 minutes to speak to me or less. Okay.
0: Now, hold on. I'm going to leave. I'm, I want to keep you up here. I'm going to bring in mm-hmm. Brother Amos Garvey to to join in on this a little bit. Uh, and then I'm going to and then I have another question for you, uh, Officer Faulkner. Uh,
3: Mr. Garvey. Yes, sir. How you doing, sir? Good. How are you doing? Doing well, sir. I can't complain. Um, I, I just wanted to um, add a small contribution to your conversation, if you don't mind.
1: OK. What's up?
3: Um, so last year, I don't, um, it might've been last year or I'm sorry, it might've been the year before, um, this brings to like uh, the Derrick Rose situation. Okay. Um, So Derrick Rose was accused of some things, uh, after certain actions happened between a female, um, Uh and, um, other gentlemen as well. Um, while he was accused of this, he went to court, uh, criminally wasn't found guilty. He went to civil court. Twice and was not only was he found not guilty, but the accuser had to pay him uh, $2,001 in a civil case, right? And then he scored 50 points. I don't know if you remember when he was on the Timberwolves, (laughs) he scored 50 points. And after he scored 50 points, he was emotional, he was crying because of the the trauma that this journey has been for him for this entire time, the journey he's been on, right? So he cries, and I don't know if you remember, but Rachel Nichols, you can find it now on YouTube still. um, She is a Caucasian female reporter on ESPN. Mm. After the 50-point game, and he was emotional, and that was the talk of the sports world, Mm. she brought back what he was accused of rape. Yeah, yeah. So that that was a a very... um, Again, no matter if you're, he was not only found innocent; the accuser was found to be the one to have to pay him. Yet, right. in the narrative in the media was right. that he was still accused of rape.
0: Exactly. So the so so the stain of the accusation stayed with him, despite what happened in court.
3: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, I, I appreciate the contribution, uh, Officer Faulkner. Any response? Any reflection on that?
2: Let's see. Do you know that stress for men is like kryptonite for us, man? Mm -hmm. We're not allowed to get that frustration out because usually how we get frustration out is physical activity. Mm -hmm. And think about it. The whole world's looking at you like you're some monster and in some cases like a pervert. And You're trying to convince anybody who will listen to you and they're treating you like a criminal before you even were tried. Right. Before the investigation even starts. Right. And then think about it. God forbid if you have a black woman with, a, with an ax to grind or a white guy who doesn't care.
0: Right. And those are they're, two things that you're not allowed to talk about. That, that personal motivation, mm-hmm. revenge. Or anything along those lines can be a motivation for falsely accusing anyone of anything. We we act like those things don't happen. Even though that's that, that's part of human nature. It is what it is.
2: I I'll tell you how many times I've seen on calls when I first especially when I first joined.
1: Uh uh-huh.
2: Where the women were gun ho to be like, tell me that he hit you. Tell me that he hit you. And I'm and the woman's like, No, we just had an argument. We didn't even call you. Right. Right. How' I like, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. Why don't you ask his side of the story first? Maybe he's the victim
0: <laughs> When you ask that question how is how is it received usually
2: It's like a, a state of shock. huh, I can't believe you said that. Mm. yeah, I can't believe you said that <laughs> okay <laughs> and and it, it's sad because you regardless if you like the guy or not mm. the one thing you got to think about black men is that you're next if you don't stand up and fight against this because basically this is this is racial and sexist tyranny
1: oh.
2: they're making they're making you ashamed to be a black and also male mm. you you have a double negative right and here it is don't I bet you somewhere down the line he was getting a position or he was getting money that one of them ladies up there who's working in there say, you know what? I know I know this new guy. Did he ever did he ever brush up against you or did he ever touch you? Wow. Right. Because right. people forget that subjective implanting mm-hmm. it's it's a major factor in a lot of these cases, man.
0: But you you see, here's the thing. I I know. So we tend to have two camps on this, or at least that's how people think about it. You have the you have the camp of, you know, hashtag believe her where no matter what stated is is true because it was stated. That's the end of the discussion. It was true. And then you have the other camp that says, well, um, oh, appreciate that, Garvey. Appreciate you being up here. Um, Then you have the other camp that says, wait a minute. You know, men can be victimized by this if there are no checks and balances to this. And the perception is that that's a camp full of nothing but, you know, patriarchal sexists that are misogynist and they don't care about women and they're just, you know, fighting to be fighting. And the, and that's the perception that we have this binary you know kind of mannequin thing. But that's not really what we're talking about. I think with black men we're saying, we are hyper susceptible to accusation. And because of that, we call for the use of evidence.
2: It's called we, hashtag investigate this properly.
0: Right <laughs> right, and I'm with that. I'm with that hashtag and, and you
2: know, and you know why they won't do it mm. because you'll find out that these people who who conduct these investigations have no law enforcement or investigational backgrounds right. they go from hearsay, they go off of feeling right and they stay clear to hell away from facts
1: right right
0: they couldn't
2: investigate a, they couldn't investigate the inside of a paper bag, mm hmm Because there are no tape statements, there are no video recordings, there's no witness testimonies. Where's all this stuff going on? Did you even get a statement from Mr. Dyson or Dr. Dyson? Right. Did you get his side? It doesn't matter. You know why? uh, Because it's it's a witch hunt.
0: It is a witch hunt, you know, or why I called it a warlock hunt. It definitely the is. Warlock proper it, term. It, but I mean, but here's, you know, look, I'm, and again, I'm not saying Dyson is innocent. I'm just saying it's interesting to see how much can happen when none of us actually know what
1: happened.
0: Mm-hmm. Just, just associating sexual misconduct with Dyson and the, and the visual image of him as a black male is enough to where his, his, his position at a university is under threat. Just with that.
2: Do you know how many times did you know that kids under a mother's care or custody Mm. they're three to five times more likely to be sexually assaulted or abused Mm. than the fathers? Mm. We don't like to talk about those statistics, do we? Right. We don't like to talk about how many young boys were forced into being into intercourse because they were molested as young boys, or they were teenage boys helping a female neighbor, and she said, "Well, if you don't do this, I'm going to yell tell tell everybody you tried to rape me."
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's, it matter of fact, even historically, this is something that black male studies is engaging. Uh, we're we're actually challenging the dominant narratives around slavery, right? Where slavery is just kind of thought about in terms of, you know, what white men aggress on others. But we don't talk about white women. White women have been viewed as, you know, being trapped in gilded cages. They're these innocent birds and they're oppressed by slavery. And But what we actually began to find, and you can go back and check, you know, Dr. Tommy Curry's work in The Man Not, one of the things he talks about are the ways in which Black men were sexually violated by white women who used pro- the threat of proxy violence, the threat of lynching, to justify, appreciate the support Great I-9 and also appreciate the support Drizzy, uh, Drizzy Drake. Um, but he talks about the ways in which white women would use the threat of lynching to initiate sex with Black men at their whim, uh, and, and that became a method of control. But that's not, if I say black men were raped during slavery, most people would just stare at you blankly. Uh, I'll, yes, I'll white I'll men.
2: Little, the white men did rape one,
0: black though. women, but so too did white women. Go ahead. What were you saying? I'll challenge
2: you a little bit on that with Doc. I think white women were probably a little bit worse than the white men.
0: Well, there's no... there's Well, one, there's no record of it. Right? There's no record of it um, in, in terms of how it's recorded and discussed. It just kind of disappears. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so even, even historically, and this is why hashtag believe her was really a problem for black men, because that's actually been the going practice in this country as far as how black men have been treated by, by women in particular, but white women especially. Hashtag believe her was always in effect. And the problem with that is it led to many a black male life being ended around the word of an arbitrary white woman who, who had power. And it often exploited that power simply because she had it and she think could. About
2: think about it. Any admit anybody? Exactly. I mean, exactly. think about it. She, you see, a white dude at some point will have the decency to actually talk about it or brag about it to his friends. She waited on her damn deathbed. Yeah. Yeah. And she was fine with it. Raised kids, had grandkids, party, had all this. If she was the if she was the cause of somebody's death. that's the reason why I said they're much more dangerous wow. they, will, they will automatically have the protection of the full force of the United States military
0: yes, yes and I and mean, that's an interesting dynamic unto itself. One, you have the, you had the power of a lynch mob and and appreciate the the contribution, professor Conroe uh, in one vein you had you had the power of the lynch mob. And then that transitions in the mid 20th century, especially to the power of the police department. And that extends, of course, to the federal government, where you can make these kind of statements without reflection, without evidence, without you know, oversight, without protection, no checks and balances, and men suffer the consequences. There are black men who've gone to jail because a woman had a dream that he did something to her. I'm not playing. I'm not playing. Oh, I've seen seen it result from from, uh, you know, I'm going to give you a chance to finish that statement in a second. Let me just get this out. I've seen that happen in domestic violence situations where a a woman woke up from a dream and attacked her husband because she dreamed that he had done something. But I've also seen a black man go to jail for rape because a white woman dreamed that he raped her. This is way too much power for arbitrary everyday people to have against an entire half of the population. Simply because. But go ahead, officer. What were you gonna say? Um, And uh, uh, let me see. James, uh, come back up if you can, man. I was about to bring you in. But go ahead. Go ahead.
2: We had calls like a woman dreamed that somebody came into her through her three-story window and had their way with her. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? We had a call. We were we were finishing a call, and we heard some noise. The wife thought the husband was cheating but because he's a businessman, he gets calls different times of the night. Uh So she took it upon herself to take a brass lamp and strike him across the face while asleep. And we're running across the street because this is actually a well-to-do family. And this is somebody in their their 50s, by the way. Late 40s, early 50s. Well, I thought he was doing something, messing around on me, so I I thought it was best to hit him. And she walked out there telling us the whole thing. And she boldly puffed out her chest like she knew she wasn't going to get arrested. And we were like, man, put your hands behind your back while we were calling a medic for the husband. What did I do? Oh, my God. Did you not tell us what you did? It's like they go through this. They go through the selective amnesia, where they think they can take it upon themselves to correct you, like you're some mangy mutt, like you're mm-hmm. some lonely child that needs to be disciplined.
1: Right. Right. Um, and,
2: they, and they look at us like we're gonna we're gonna agree to them, okay, ma'am? It's just a it's just a scratch, even though you put a six inch gash across his nose and his face. Aggravated assault, and you think domestic aggravated assault, and you think you're going to walk away from that? Get out of here. Go ahead, Doc. I'm sorry.
0: No, it, but the assumption is made that um, this is, it, it's true because it happened, and that's, you know, that's that's the end of the discussion. right? And, and again, it gives people, it gives, uh, especially women, but it gives people a great deal of power uh, that they can leverage over uh, other people. Um, particularly men. Now, I want to post this. I'm just going to put this on air or on the uh, screen, you know, just so people know I'm not up here just making up stuff, you know, because that's, that's that's an accusation that uh, you know, can be levied, but y'all check this out. I'm sorry for the all the, uh, uh, you know, advertisements, but Colorado man in prison for 28 years after a woman dreamed he raped her uh, expected to be freed after convicted rapist admits to crime. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. So when I talk about the susceptibility of black men to accusation, this is what I mean. This is what I mean. You know how it, 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 it actually had, it took a black male to be convicted of something like this because the believability is already high. It's already high. So you can go ahead and look this up, newyorkdailynews.com. Colorado man in prison for 28 years after a woman dreamed he raped her.
2: I'll look that up. You know? I've always but said I this, want... good doctor. What, what I did that? I, I always said this to myself, good doctor. Those people who were falsely accused of rape or anything like that should automatically have lawsuits levied against the people. Hmm. Accused them, and I bet you it would stop a lot of that mess. Mm. And see, I'm not talking about people who actually suffered from sexual assaults. Uh-huh. I'm talking about the people who think that's their way out. Right. And I, I, I'm not trying to say that rape doesn't occur, but in my 14 years, I've only handled one legitimate case of rape.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: And it was weird because I've heard everything like, "Okay, I did it for drugs." i I just said it because I didn't want my father to know what I was doing. He doesn't mm-hmm. like the guy. Mm-hmm. I'm like you could you could have destroyed somebody's life right off a lie
1: right right
2: And I was gonna arrest her, but well no, don't arrest her and this is a sexual offense attack that told me don't arrest her because you know it wouldn't be a good look. Oh, excuse mm-hmm. me, she's committed a criminal offense.
0: But, you know, what you're also bringing up is a really subtle and pervasive chivalry that we have. See, I think what people lose sight of with all of these, you know, all this media we have, uh, women in, the, in, in North America are really the most protected women in the world. They really are in many instances. Right. And when we talk about this, this veiled chivalry that ha- is a feature of how men across race, I would argue, are socialized in the West, right? We tend to give ground in these moments of tension, right? Where women are not necessarily held accountable for their behavior to the to the same extent that men are. We already know that in terms of sentencing, criminal sentencing, women get 65% less sentencing, sentencing time for, than men for the same crimes. So when I talk about chivalry, I'm not just talking about this flighty, arbitrary idea, I'm talking about how it actually affects criminal sentencing, how it actually affects people being fired for, um, for false accusations from a job, right? These things are glossed over because in many ways we do, and I've been saying this for years, we do not know how to account for female acts of evil or female aggression. We don't know how to deal with it, so we dismiss it. And women in turn tend to not be held accountable for their actions to the same extent men are which of course exactly. incentivizes them to continue because there's not a hardcore repercussion for those acts right so it, especially when you talk about issues like this uh, where you as a police officer are told to give her a break that's exactly how i mean chivalry plays a role in this you know that's precisely what i'm talking about
2: you hit it right on the head but like you cannot even phantom the frustration of how you're having a woman just call you and say, my husband's beating on me, and he's literally twice her size.
1: Mm.
2: You can see the scratch marks in his face. You can see the marks where he's holding her back on her neck. Right. She literally takes... Of like a vase and cut and breaks it and cuts him across his nose. And she's like, Well, I'm a victim. No, you struck him. Right. You were the aggressor. I have to take you both in.
0: Now, is that would you say that's a common response? Response Or is that is that that, that more a Charles Faulkner response? Like how would the average police officer deal with that?
2: that? The average police officer is better about it now because if, if you don't take some type of action like writing a warrant or arresting the suspect there, okay, that's one okay. of the quickest way to get fired. We've gotten better about it. The uh, The state senate in Maryland has actually said, you know, there's many different ways you have to do an investigation because when I first came on, if she said she, hit, she was hit by the guy, he's got to go to jail. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, where you hit? And there's times this woman is nothing, but she wants to say, this guy hit me and he's got scratches
1: all over. Him. Okay.
2: Well, uh, I, I try to defend myself and you know, this guy got fists like bowling balls. If he hit you one time, we would not be having this conversation.
0: Right. And, and 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 that's that's actually why, because I, I don't know if you, I think you've, you've you've seen it over the last few weeks. I've shown video clips of women uh, attacking and assaulting their significant others, right?
2: I've and, had, I've, hell, I've had situations happen to be like that. Oh, right,
0: right. <laughs> and and but but you actually have you, you hear people say, well, you know, you know, because I've seen women do this too after incidents like that, where they're puffing their chest and they're like, "He didn't want it for me." I'm like. No, he doesn't want it from the state. It's not—it's not about fearing you. It's about not wanting to go to jail arbitrarily. So, and I think this is something that men have learned in the last few decades and are highly responsive to, especially, especially if you're in a position where you've—you know—you've had to push for years to get to where you are. You know, knowing that you could lose all of that arbitrarily. You know, men do not want to deal with it. Um, and so women tend to run roughshod in those areas, at least for the kind of women that'll push that that type of violence, um, you know, to their partners, you know, yeah. and it, it, until, it tends to go unchecked.
2: So they've right. run into the one person who wouldn't take it. Yeah, <laughs> they run into that one person and it's a culture shock. Mm. And, and And it's what makes it really crazy is that let's take Puerto Rico, for instance. Did you know in Puerto Rico, their domestic violence laws were even more strict? Meaning, okay. you, you could actually be locked, at the time, you could be locked up for an argument with your wife. Mm. So they had to mm. change the laws because the men would actually kill their wives. <laughs> they said, if I'm going to you go know, to jail, I'll make it good.
1: Yeah, I'll give them a reason. Wow.
2: Yeah. So they had to change the laws in order to, because those guys were not going to take it on a chin. Right And this Like you said, this proxy violence Or this Or this uh, You know, false bravado If you will That women have, oh I can fight I'm like, lady Have you ever fought a guy And he's just used to 25% of his power His total power Just 25% See There was a time Growing up well, you just knew that i don't want none of this person like it might have been your dad it might have been your older brother it might have been like the guy on the football or the wrestling team might have been your jiu jitsu your boxing coach and you just like this this guy is stunning me and he's not even trying to hurt me he's right. actually hooked. right and women and women don't get that type of that type of reverent respect because if I know if I walk across TS Dr. T.S.R. Johnson and do something that's heinous or disrespectful, win-lose mm-hmm. a draw, that's a fight. Mm-hmm. And women well. never had that, never had to go through that because they've been so protected all their lives. So when they go, try to think they could go toe-to-toe with a man mm-hmm. via Xena, Warrior, Princess and all these superhero shows where you see like Five foot two, hundred pound women kicking the crap out of guys. Right, they think it's reality. Right, and and I think I've said it at the hour show. I I actually had a girl who thought she could bench press just as much as I could.
0: You know, that was uh, I don't know if you saw it, but the last time I was on Green Gorilla's uh, show, I think we brought up a guy who's a physical trainer, and he Mm -hmm. was talking about training forty plus year old women. I think he was actually talking about uh, white women in this instance. He had a couple. Women he was training. And he said that they were, they had never been in fights before. They had just started training for the first time in their lives. And they had a belief that there really wasn't a difference in strength between men and women. Uh, and he said it tends to be single women, you know, he said, because married women, you know, had a different idea, but it tends to be single women, you know, who kind of had this belief that there was no fundamental difference in strength. Oh, okay. And then it didn't play any kind of role whatsoever. So I think what you're talking about, especially in media, I think many people believe. I mean, hell, this morning um, I was watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right. This is this came out in the early 90s. Right. And it was a nine month old pregnant woman who beat up three, you know, grown men security guards just before she went into labor. Really? Just just before she went into labor, she beat three of them up and then fell to the floor because she was going into labor. And I'm like, and she's throwing them across the room. And, and I'm just like, and this wasn't a super strength sci-fi character. This, she was just a regular humanoid. But that's the, you know, that kind of perception, I think, is and, what's got out there. And, and I think and, it's going to get people hurt.
2: And it's, and it's something that I've, I've actually spoken about on my channel. When I said the reason why they have single father, mother epidemics and not single mother, because they're more susceptible to the environment and subconscious suggestion. Mm. And TV is one of the biggest subconscious Suggestions that you'll ever face mm-hmm. They will believe this stuff And then come out of Hell I had a woman Who tried to keep her daughter Her niece away from her sister Which is the mother Okay. This lady didn't try to attack The little 5 foot 3 female I was with mm. She came after me <laughs> that didn't end too well for, her. and it was funny because with one arm, I'm like I didn't even hit her. I just you ever you ever took somebody, you took your palm and you just hit him right there in the sternum. You just check him.
0: You said you just check him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> She's at the. I mean like the old saying goes, she was tossed so deep into that closet, she was finding Christmas gifts from five years ago. <laughs> and, like, and I'm still holding her and she's still trying to like, like, no, 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 you stay with the coats, hand them out when we leave. And we take the girl. She literally got out the house about 30 seconds later and came after me again and swung at me and hit my shoulder. And at that point, remember how B.A. Barakas and the 18 would just toss people at you to oh. see these? That's what happened. And, she, and I had to arrest her for assault on police.
0: Oh, see that? And, and and that's that's different for boys, for men, because as boys, one of the things you learn very early on is that there are repercussions for your actions. You know what I mean? If you get into it with someone, you hit another dude, you will get hit back. And you learn very early on okay, I don't care if I'm the biggest guy here. I don't care if I'm the best fighter in my school. I have to address this. If I go, if I, you know, if I'm a bully or if I'm out there messing with people, I can get it back. You know what I mean? You learn that implicitly as a boy. For me, I used to get into fights every week. I was always in trouble until my mother put me in Pop Warner football and I got my bell rung. You know, somebody hit me hard and I had the stars for a minute and then I realized, okay, I can't just run roughshod. There are repercussions for your actions. And I think boys learn that because, you know, physical contestation is, you know, is acceptable with boys. Now, you know, I'm seeing it more on, uh, on, on the Internet than I ever did growing up as far as girls fighting, but it's still not as widespread as with boys. So I think many girls, you know, especially with the media we were talking about kind of grow up with this sense that, you know, everything is everything. There really is no difference, you know, and especially after about the age of 13, the differences between boys and girls becomes extremely vast in terms of that. It
2: goes vast. I'll I'll put it to you this way in terms of strength. A man who's 150 pounds versus a woman 150 pounds, the strength is almost to what twice what she can Mm. do, sometimes three. The average man in America can bench press I mean average meaning untrained because most men are untrained. Mm-hmm. Uh, One hundred and thirty five pounds. Okay. The average man stands around five foot eight. Mm-hmm. 194.5 pounds.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Average woman, five foot five, hundred sixty five, a Only ninety five pounds. No not even ninety five, excuse me. 65 pounds bench press. Okay. Now, when you start going into training, the gap is even wider. Yeah. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever noticed why you never seen Ronda Rousey take on Johnny Johnny Bones Jones? Real reason for that.
1: But...
0: You hit on something else that I want to I want to kind of tap on. And then I'm going to ask for your closing thoughts because we're going to be in. But when you talk about a Ronda Rousey or a Gina Perino, I think her name is. We Toronto. see these women. Toronto, thank you. We see these women in media. And I think a lot of people assume that this is a constant that, you know, because of what a certain select group of of highly trained women can do. Everybody's doing it. No. Yeah, you, you have any idea how rare Ronda and Gina are across the span of things? It's not you know, that's not a frequent thing. You know,
2: uh, I'll give you something, Doc, for to give you to give people who's listening a little context about Ronda. Mm-hmm. Rhonda's a six degree black belt in judo.
1: Get it. Yeah.
0: Get it.
2: Which is incredibly high for judo. Yes. Do you know what her mother was famous for? Hmm. Her mother is the first American to win a world medal, a world, a gold medal, the world championship in judo. <laughs> and she has a PhD in psychology. Okay. All right. So she is so rare that yeah. her friend, her training partner, Kaylee Harrison, is a dual gold medalist in judo and in judo. Uh-huh. She's the only American to do it, mm-hmm. male or female. Okay. That's how rare her training part just her training partners alone are rare. So mm. that right there, right, is not the average woman. Far
1: from right. it, right.
2: She's literally been doing arm bars before she could walk, right. Carano, she's been kick. she was a kickboxer prior to uh. Muay Thai, as a matter of fact,
1: mm-hmm. before MMA, mm-hmm.
2: and those women are super rare, they're tough girls, and even mm-hmm. they'll tell you, I'm not trying to fight a man. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> she yeah. tried to make that stuff about Mayweather, but if you actually talk to her, what it was, she's like, Hell no, I'm not trying to fight a man.
0: It, look, I appreciate you coming up, uh, Charles. I, I needed you to drop Ooh. a word on this, yeah. I'm gonna see you in a minute, hopefully. Uh, for the office hours. Thanks a lot, will. But thanks I a lot will.
2: man. And trust me, you're gonna be waiting for this office hour. So if you're not if you're not a member, you might wanna be one.
0: <laughs> Whoa. All right. See Thank you, you see you in a minute. <laughs> all right. So yeah. So basically, you know, I know we went to a number of different places from, you know, physical assault to intimate partner violence and all of that. But the reason we did all of that was just to highlight how easy it is for people to really misunderstand uh, the capacity they, they have, uh, especially in regard to male vulnerability, right? And the degree to which the law can be used by proxy to attack men, uh, and it provides a great deal of power, uh, even in the court of public opinion in regard to uh, what a man is accused of and what impact that can have on his life. There was a comment that I want to put up on the screen that I just saw a moment ago um, by Reynolds, I think it is. Yeah. It says, I know a woman that lied on her ex and said he molested their daughter, wanted him locked up and destroyed for life. He eventually won the case, but he lost his daughter and now she's in, you know, so he goes, but, but this is the thing I'm talking about. I've seen multiple cases of men who've been lied on and the impact it has on their families, the impact it has on their lives, right? simply because she was angry, she wanted revenge, she wanted to control him, she wanted to make sure he did. You know, there are all kinds of reasons for it, and those reasons are fundamentally human. They're just the side of our humanity we don't like to talk about, but they are human. And it, it, in that, those aspects of our humanity comes out whenever there's a power that you're given free access to, that you can use to your your whim, and there are very few checks and balances. Because again, in the court of public opinion, there are none. Right with Dyson, all we heard was sexual misconduct, and that has all kinds of meanings. There's so much you can attribute to that that it almost has no meaning until you actually start to examine evidence and there's not even been any that's been, that have been levied that's been levied and, and and there's two universities where this issue has kind of followed them, and again, we don't even know what it is. see it's one thing if you've been convicted of a crime, if you've been convicted of rape. Something along those lines. Carlos, welcome to the Brotherhood. Appreciate you becoming a member. It's one thing when you have that happening, but it's another thing when there is no clear narrative as to what happened. And yet you're treated as if you've committed an act of rape or or pedophilia or something along those lines, simply because the accusation has been levied. And this is a problem. and It's a problem that men have to start to speak up about and address in regard to policy. Because these kinds of issues being brought up arbitrarily and in the, in the lives that it's destroyed, it's way too much power for there to not be any call for evidence before such can ruin a man's life. Right, okay. so that's essentially what I wanted, what I wanted to get across here. Now, again, as uh, you know, Officer Charles Faulkner brought up, we are having office hours. Basically, office hours is you know for members of the channel uh, via YouTube or Patreon there'll be a link for you to come into a private discussion. Depending on your level of membership, you can either comment in the chat or you can come up on the screen and we can dialogue uh, for a while after the show about the subject and whatever else pops up. So if you're interested in joining that, become a member of the channel, go to my community tab and you will see a link for the show just for, again, my members. And that includes Patreon. Patreon will get a message about uh, coming directly to uh, the office hours and then dialoguing with those of us who come through there. So I appreciate y'all coming. Like I said, we're changing the format. We're shortening up the show a little bit. Um, So I'm going to close it out here and y'all know how I tend to do that. Let me put this up here. I said, uh, brothers, we, we be reminded that we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man, children, sperm donors, child support, wellspring success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, brainless henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, warriors, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only. To those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace.